Welcome to Lost in Revision. All of our content is public domain, literature, fairy tales, and folklore. Our goal is to at least break even to cover our expenses. So any support that you can offer to help us reach that goal helps keep this podcast going and you entertained. All of our music is by Nathan Hubble and is used with his permission. Thanks and enjoy the show. Chapter 6. Saviors of the Train. Part 1. The Russian gentleman was better the next day, and the day after that better still, and on the third day he was well enough to come into the garden. A basket chair was put for him, and he sat there, dressed in clothes of father's which were too big for him. But when mother had hemmed up the ends of the sleeves and the trousers, the clothes did well enough. His was a kind face now that it was no longer tired and frightened, and he smiled at the children whenever he saw them. They wished very much that he could speak English. Mother wrote several letters to people she thought might know whereabouts in England a Russian gentleman's wife and family might possibly be. Not to the people she used to know before she came to live at Three Chimneys. She never wrote to any of them. But strange people, members of Parliament and editors of papers and secretaries of societies. And she did not do much of her story-writing, only corrected proofs as she sat in the sun near the Russian and talked to him every now and then. The children wanted very much to show how kindly they felt to this man who had been sent to prison and to Siberia just for writing a beautiful book about poor people. They could smile at him, of course. They could, and they did. But if you smile too constantly, the smile is apt to get fixed, like the smile of a hyena, and then it no longer looks friendly, but simply silly. So they tried other ways and brought him flowers till the place where he sat was surrounded by little fading bunches of clover and roses and canterbury bells. And then Phyllis had an idea. She beckoned mysteriously to the others and drew them into the backyard, and there, in a concealed spot, between the pump and the water butt, she said, You remember Perks promising me the very first strawberries out of his own garden? Perks, you will recollect, was the porter. Well, I should think they're ripe now. Let's go down and see. Mother had been down, as she had promised, to tell the station master the story of the Russian prisoner. But even the charms of the railway had been unable to tear the children away from the neighborhood of the interesting stranger. So they had not been to the station for three days. They went now, and to their surprise and distress, were very coldly received by Perks. Highly honored, I'm sure, he said when they peeped in at the door of the porter's room. And he went on reading his newspaper. There was an uncomfortable silence. Oh, dear, said Bobby with a sigh. I do believe you're cross. What, me? Not me, said Perks loftily. And ain't nothing to me. What ain't nothing to you, said Peter, too anxious and alarmed to change the form of words. Nothing ain't nothing. What happens here or elsewhere, said Perks. If you likes to have your secrets, have them and welcome, that's what I say. The secret chamber of each heart was rapidly examined during the pause that followed. Three heads were shaken. We haven't got any secrets from you, said Bobby at last. Maybe you haven't, maybe you haven't, said Perks. That ain't nothing to me and I wish you all a very good afternoon. He held up the paper between him and them and went on reading. Oh, don't, said Phyllis in despair. This is truly dreadful. Whatever it is, do tell us. We didn't mean to do whatever it was. No answer. The paper was refolded, and Perks began on another column. Look here, said Peter suddenly. It's not fair. Even people who do crimes aren't punished without being told what it's for, as once they were in Russia. I don't know nothing about Russia. Of course you do, when Mother came down on purpose to tell you and Mr. Gills all about our Russian. Can't you fancy it, said Perks indignantly. 
Don't you see Emma asking of me to step into his room and take a chair and listen to what her ladyship has to say? Do you mean to say you've not heard? Not so much as a breath. I did go so far as to put a question, and he shuts me up like a rat trap. Affairs of state parks, says he. But I did think one of you would I nip down to tell me. You're here sharp enough when you want to get anything out of old perks. Phyllis flushed purple as she thought of the strawberries. Information about locomotives or signals or the likes, said Perks. We didn't know you didn't know. We thought Mother had told you. We wanted to tell you only we thought it would be stale news. The three spoke all at once. Perks said it was all very well and still held up the paper. Then Phyllis suddenly snatched it away and threw her arms around his neck. Oh, let's kiss and be friends, she said. We'll say we're sorry first, if you like, but we didn't really know that you didn't know. We are so sorry, said the others, and Perks at last consented to accept their apologies. Then they got him to come out and sit in the sun on the green railway bank, where the grass was quite hot to touch, and there, sometimes speaking one at a time, and sometimes all together, they told the porter the story of the Russian prisoner. Well, I must say, said Perks, but he did not say it, whatever it was. Thanks for joining us today. Check us out on Patreon. You can help us meet our small goal of breaking even and covering our expenses. Your support helps pay for all of the things that podcasting requires and helps keep this show alive and growing. If you can't afford to support us financially, go give us a good review, subscribe or follow, and share with your friends and family. Feel free to fact check us and offer suggestions to make our show better for you. You can also send us an email at lostinrevisionpodcast at gmail.com. There's a lot more. All at the end of the road